Welcome to Fast Track Your Yachting Career. My name's Roger Overall. I work with Yachting Financial Solutions and I'm joined today on the podcast by Teresa, who is Yachting Financial Solutions uh, Chief Operating Officer and she's also a founding partner of the YIFSOL Partnership. Teresa, hello. Hello, Roger. Good to be here. So today's episode, we're all about seasons. Now, we're not talking summer, winter, autumn, we're talking the, the seasons in yachting, because you can break yachting, the yachting year up into seasons. I suppose the simplest way to start is with the, the biggest season and possibly the most important season, uh, and that would be the one in the Mediterranean. Is that right? Uh, yes, it would be, Roger. And that normally kicks off around Easter, so sometime early or mid-April, normally speaking and would continue to the end of September, possibly stretch into October. I mean, I think traditionally what's called the milk run, which is basically from Saint-Tropez in the south of France to San Remo in Italy, was the initial and traditional kind of uh, route for, for the super yachts. And of course, what you have along that route, you've got Monaco, Cannes, Antibes, and so on. You've got some very lovely places to visit, some great anchorages, which obviously makes a lot of sense. And then off the coast, you've got places like Corsica, off, off France, obviously. And then you've got the Balearic Islands. I mean, they're, they're lovely. Uh, Mallorca, Minorca, Ibiza. And then, you, of course, you've got the various Italian islands as well, Sicily, Sardinia, the Aeolian Islands, and so on. And then as you go further east, you've got the Greek islands, then you've got the sort of Turkish coastline, and you've got Montenegro, you've got Croatia again with multiple islands. So from a, from a cruising point of view, um, interesting places to take your guests, you've got a lot of variety in a relatively, relatively small distance. I was, I was going to say, as you were listing all those locations out, I thought, oh my goodness, you'd never go anywhere else, really, because there's such a variety. A lot of boats don't. Well, exactly. That was exactly the point I was going to make. Are there then boats that actually do never stray beyond the Rock of Gibraltar into the Atlantic almost because they don't need to? I mean, there would be quite a lot of the smaller boats that wouldn't be there wouldn't be built to cross the Atlantic anyway. Now, of course, you can put the boat on a big boat and take it to the Caribbean, and a lot of people do that. But there's an awful lot of boats where which basically do this six month season because a boat always needs repairs and renovations and this, that and the other. So basically it's six months cruising or being available to cruise. And then the other six months, the crew or a skeleton crew are on standby and it's maybe in the shipyard. But I'm just wondering then, is it a case that you, you, look, at, you look at these boats and you think, well, actually, if I work on a, a smaller boat in the Mediterranean or, or a yacht that is, is, is limited to the Mediterranean, I may only get six months out of the year in terms of work. Or does it not work that way? Um, it's quite possible. There will be quite a lot of seasonal positions available. Most boats, uh, in the, even if they only do the med season, will certainly keep a crew for the winter but it'll be a smaller crew because they, the chances are they won't have guests or if they do, it will be very rarely. 
but it's a good way of getting your foot into yachting. Start by doing a, a six-month seasonal job or five months or three-month seasonal job on a boat. Um, it's still giving you experience, and the experience you get will be relevant on a boat that is working all year round. So it's it's a very it's a perfectly good way to start. Um, another again, you look at the Mediterranean and you look at uh, film festivals. You look at the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, did do all these events? Do they tend to happen during the super yacht season because there's a lot of wealthy people that they want to attract? I mean, is it is is, is what I'm basically what I'm saying is are there a lot of events that are, are put into that six month window to accommodate the yachting calendar almost? Some of them certainly are, and I suppose there's an argument for saying that the Monaco Grand Prix is one of the things that kind of, yes, kind of, well, you actually start with the Cannes Film Festival, don't you? So you can almost say that that's kind of kicking off the season, if you like, and then and then it's pretty smartly followed by the Monaco Grand Prix. And, and, and I guess that really depends on, yes, it would be a good time to charter your boat. If you're the owner of the boat, do you particularly want to go to the film festival or indeed the Grand Prix? Who knows? Not probably every year. Um, but yes, <laughs> certainly they are part of the season. There's no doubt about that. Most of the the cruising then in, in the Mediterranean seems to be along the northern Mediterranean shoreline, or is that just a, a misinterpretation on my part of, of how the industry works? So on the European side is what you're saying and not, Correct. not, yes, not, yeah, not yeah. the African side, yeah. for example. Uh, yeah, no, that's totally true. And really the reason for that is, I, I guess it's uh, with all due respect to Morocco and Algeria and Tunisia and so on, but really... Um, there's an awful lot more ports that are probably the sort of places that charterers or yacht owners would like to go. Where I was sort of thinking in my own head with that, look, if you're looking to get into yachting or if you're going to be basing yourself somewhere for the Mediterranean season, it's really the European shoreline you need to be looking at. I've never come across anybody that has landed a job from Tunisia or never. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't even think of it. No. So that's the, the Mediterranean season, which stretches from April all the way possibly into October. Um, I suppose then the next destination to look at would be the Caribbean. What can you say? W when does the Caribbean season start? I, I guess really the beginning of December. Um, I mean, and I suppose we're talking about Christmas and New Year, really. And then January, February, March. We're even in the Caribbean. Oh, sorry, we're even in the Mediterranean. It can get a bit chilly sometimes as well. Oh, no, it's no, less it, it, it is. And it, it wouldn't be pleasant for cruising in the Mediterranean after October, I don't think, or at least certainly not guaranteed to be. Uh, what happens between October then and December? Because there's obviously, it looks sounds to me as if there's a two-month window. Does everybody bunk off for two months or what happens then? Uh, well, no. Obviously, if, if boats are going are in the Mediterranean and they are going to do the Caribbean season, then they have to get there. Bigger boats will get there under their own steam, but boats probably 40 metres and less, or approximately 40 metres and less, are, are going to get on something called the Dock Express, which is basically a huge boat which will take them over to the Caribbean. That's going to take a certain amount of time. I think that's going to take at least 10 days to two weeks, you know, weather dependent. Additionally to that, of course, we're talking about a boat and it's been 
probably being worked pretty hard during the summer and therefore probably need some repairs, renovations, whatever, pre-Caribbean season. Yes, it would also be a time where if you've got a crew that works full time, crew would be taking some holiday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they, you know, people are exhausted at the end of the summer season, need to recharge their batteries, that kind of thing. So that's the sort of thing that would be happening in that two month period. Where, where does the Caribbean season uh, concentrate itself or is it more spread out? So it's basically a relatively small area. The major islands would be places like St. Martin, Antigua, Barbados, Bermuda, the Grenadines, which are Grenada and the Grenadines, which are a kind of chain of islands. Um, and then there are other smaller islands that people go to, Nevis being one. Um, there are some other islands, but those would be the major ones. If you were, if you were a yachty looking to pick up a boat in the Caribbean, could you name uh, the top, say, one, two or three locations that you'd recommend they go to? If, if you're going to try to do that, you probably, the best place to be probably in the, in the Caribbean would be in St. Martin. Second choice would be Antigua. And then the third choice wouldn't actually be in the Caribbean at all. It would be in Fort Lauderdale. Um, because obviously the Caribbean is pretty close to Fort Lauderdale. So, uh, and that's a very big, that's a very big U.S. yachting center. So that you could quite, you might have much better luck picking up a boat there. There's also more organization there, crew agencies and so on and so forth, you know. Actually, I've just thought of one very crucial island that's really popular, which is called St. Bart's. And that's kind of the Saint-Tropez of the, um, of the uh, Caribbean. So we've got the, the the Caribbean season follows on from the Mediterranean season, um, yeah. but that's not the the be all and end all, is it? Is it? There are there are other thing other geographical locations and seasons to bear in mind. There's certainly other geographical locations. That the, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of charterers or owners of boats who want to do something a bit different. So you you've got you've got some boats say in the sort of Thailand area, you've got, you will have some boats cruising in the Pacific. And, 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 you know, there's a few boats that are based in Australia, New Zealand. And then you're looking in the Northern Hemisphere, you're going, there's some boats that, I'm not saying they're based there, but there will be boats, for example, cruising Scandinavia in the, in the, in the summer months, possibly um, cruising the British coastline, I've occasionally seen a super yacht on the Irish coastline, not often, but occasionally. And then what you have is there's been a, a bit of a trend in recent years for um, exploration yachts. So, you know, they originally tended to be converted icebreakers. Uh, the whole idea being that this is a yacht that you could basically take wherever you wanted to go in the world. And so there's will be a few of those going around the world to places that, you know, very few people have seen. And then the other thing that that's also happening and possibly a little bit more than previously, there's a few boats that are focused on marine research. And not a lot, but there are a few. I'm curious. It's interesting. We haven't spoken about the Asian season where there's yachting and super yachts uh, going up and down the Asian coasts serving um, wealthy Chinese individuals. Has, is that coming or? That I, that I honestly don't know. 
But um, yes, there are definitely Chinese owners of boats. Yes, there are Indian people from the, you know, owners of boats from the Indian subcontinent, for example. But just because they originated possibly from China or India doesn't necessarily mean they want to cruise around that particular area. And very often they are also in the Caribbean or the Mediterranean, um, a bit like owners from anywhere else or charterers from anywhere else, you know. I'm sure there are a certain number of boats that are uh, moored more locally, a bit like you get in um, actually in the Middle East as well. You've got um, boats in Qatar and Kuwait and Saudi, which uh, basically are moored there more or less. Some of them are moored there more or less the whole time. But again, an awful lot of Middle Eastern owners of boats or charterers whilst they may spend time on their boats locally, they also like to be in the Mediterranean, the Caribbean, because that's really where the action is, I guess. Just for for, for people who might be looking to get into yachting, um, okay. because a lot of the Mediterranean is within EU jurisdiction, does it have any benefit to have an EU passport? Or are oh, we still... absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Much easier to get a job with an EU passport. And does the, does the same or something similar apply in, say, the Caribbean? Uh, does a British passport help? Or you mentioned Fort Lauderdale, does a US passport help? If it's a US registered boat, which it could be, quite possibly in Fort Lauderdale, you probably have to be a US passport holder. Um, if it's not a US registered boat, that, it wouldn't, um, that would, wouldn't be necessary. Well, we hope you've got some useful information from this episode of uh, of the podcast. We hope that um, it's given you something you didn't know or explained something that you were wondering about. Please do tune in again. Do join us again for the, the next episode of Fast Track, your yachting career. And until then, safe travels and safe sailing, everyone. Safe sailing, everybody.